This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Welcome to the program. Welcome to your Friday. Welcome as we're slowly swinging open the gateway to your weekend to get you started. And we do this beginning at 2 p.m. Eastern on Fridays. Heck, we're here Monday through Fridays, but Friday's a a bit of a special show. Ramya and I love to welcome you by getting that gateway open to the weekend with a lot of programming. That Mm -hmm. may give you a few extra things to do over the weekend, at least to think about and then procrastinate and not do. Or argue argue with people about, you know, things come up on our tech segments and... Uh, even on the chatty bookshelf sometimes when we're talking audiobooks, the controversial things that you can then take home and bring uh, to dinner table conversation. You mean the stuff like you're excited to have AI doing even more books, even if it means no more narrators? All right. Sometimes you got to take the opposite angle for... No more narrators. Uh, not that part. Uh, but I'm saying it's going to be real enough. It's going to be real enough. It the is voices already. are going to be it real enough. Already. My good heavens. See? We're doing it already. Wow. And we shouldn't be doing it because, you know, that's kind of side gig work that you get a chance to do. What if that moves over to audio description? Already has. But let's see what happens, right? We we don't want to hit a panic button or, as you like to say, a Black Mirror button or anything like yep. that. Even though that was episode, what, seven of Black Mirror? Anyway. Mm, uh, probably episode two. <laughs> Yeah, probably, because uh, the foreshadowing has begun. Let's take a look, speaking of foreshadowing, on what we have ahead for you on this program today. Google Chrome will uh, will add and limit, excuse me, will limit ad blockers starting June 2024. How will this work? John Beeler will be here shortly on his app update to explain. Now, if you haven't been keeping up with the Para Pan Am Games, they are wrapping up this weekend. And um, Brock Richardson, he's been following it. It's part of his sports job as he brings us all the updates later on. Yeah, we'll talk to him at the beginning of hour two. Boy, a lot of cool stuff. We were talking about it on the program yesterday. And on the chatty bookshelf, Ryan Hooby tells us about a few airports that have libraries, which welcomes all passengers, whether you're flying domestic or international. That in hour two of the program. Hey, let's take a little peek here. What do we got in some news to talk about? Oh, this is something that I left off uh, yesterday on the round table. As Americans marked the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday yesterday, there's a trend that may have started during the pandemic. So we'll get back, I'll get in a couple of moments, and otherwise we'll uh, we'll play that for you in a couple of seconds. It's not firing off here. Um, and we'll I'll even redo that. We'll find something else to discuss at this moment, such as... Okay, Rum, Mm. I think the big question people in your world have asked you is, are you nervous for Monday's primetime special that we're shooting? This will be airing later in December, ladies and gentlemen. We'll have dates and uh, probably some interviews, little comments from people uh, before it and maybe after it. Are you you at all nervous? Uh, I'm not nervous. I'm actually super excited. Now, I did hear at some point, I don't know if it was a psychologist or a... um, a TED talk <laughs> that, that that fear 
and anxiety as well as excitement is all really that same energy it's just how you channel it now that's basically a mental tip health uh, tip from me to you but at the same time i really feel like i've internalized it because we do a lot of you and i we do a lot of public speaking presenting performing you know getting on live shows like this one all the time so at some point you just got to say okay let's start getting excited instead of nervous and monday is That's very right. new it's very different for a lot of us on the team and um you know it's this idea of audience so performing to an audience and having an audience presence but also it's being taped right so it's not necessarily a uh a live, live airing show. yeah no. yeah yeah so there's a little bit of everything there's so many moving parts um our team is just taking it one step at a time and i'm excited about it i hear all that laughter in the back as people say what do you think you'll get do-overs yes <laughs> yes we will whole Maybe segment do-overs ladies and gentlemen. anyone coming okay. anyone coming through the show will start around four o'clock and end at eight o'clock uh <laughs> it, it, it's really amazing it hits <laughs> exactly. Until we get the right audience response. It really is true about being nervous. All that stuff is kind of a useless emotion. And as we used to say in theater, guys, remember, the audience for you, they're not there for waiting for you to fall down unless you're some kind of circus act that falls down. That, that Intentionally, they're they're wanting to be entertained. They're wanting to enjoy, to be in, you know, enjoy the experience so they're right with you. Okay, as I was saying, as Americans mark the U.S. Thanksgiving yesterday, there's a trend that's brewing that may have started during the pandemic. Your big Thanksgiving dinner may not be so big this year. 70% of our shoppers tell us that they're going to get together and celebrate as a family, but the gatherings are a little bit smaller. Rodney McMullen, chairman and CEO of Kroger Supermarkets. So it's more intimate, and uh, if you think I probably post-COVID, people are enjoying those deeper connections with people. He says more households are opting for smaller turkeys and turkey breasts over the big birds. Daria Albinger, ABC News. So we could argue on the food price, but I don't want to go there with that. I'm more thinking rum on size. Like, I mean, I wonder if that was something people started to say, hey, this is nice. We can actually have more conversation instead of the boisterous <laughs> out in the backyard and some in the house and some down the street with the neighbors or wherever. Yeah. It, it, it kind of not just makes it homey, but people got used to during the pandemic a lot of cases talking to people, whether it was yep. online or over the phone, there has been more conversation for some. Yep, and having more relaxed environments, right? You think of a giant Thanksgiving or Christmas party and you have to host. Usually that onus falls on one person or one couple, uh, like the people who are hosting. But nowadays you're thinking a lot more of a collaborative, intimate setting where somebody somebody's bringing somebody or something and somebody else is bringing something else. And it becomes more of a... I don't know. It, it just feels like less pressure, maybe. And I think we're getting That's used it. to less that of a stressor. Well. Yes, yes. I think so. I think yeah. people gr really grew to like that when they didn't have to do some of those things, when they had the excuse of, mm. well, you know, with the pandemic, we can't come over or we have to get together in a small group. It, things become more manageable instead of doing making yourself do beyond your means sometimes beyond what you may necessarily want to do but feel obligated to do so really interesting to see how this trend shakes out folks we step aside for a couple of moments and as we do on fridays we get going with our gardening talk today we're talking everything cabinet with our gardener susan kearney next don't miss a minute kelly and ramya will be right back
So much to settle on back for ahead, ladies and gentlemen, in the program. We've got so much to settle back. We'll get it. We'll deliver it to you. But while you're uh, sitting around thinking, gee, how is best to listen to the show? I got some advisement for you. You can always download the podcast, subscribe and listen at your leisure. You can check out one of the repeats on AMI-audio or AMI-tv starting at 10 p.m. Eastern time on both. 1 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv, 6 a.m. in the morning on AMI-audio. However you consume the program, thanks for being with us. Ramya Muthan, she's at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald. At the studio in London, Ontario, our gardener, Susan Kearney, at her home, joining us now to talk everything gardening. Hello, I'm Susan Kearney. Join me, I'm Kelly and Ramya, for the joy of gardening by using touch, taste, scent, and sound. Susan, as we get started, we have to confess, as show hosts, we, we try to be it straight up and Transparent as possible, um, this item, catnip, that we're talking about today, we were taking a poll of how many of us thought it would actually, like, you know, produce in a factory, did not realize it grew. I suggest that it grows with the catnip toy all around it, but you'll probably confirm otherwise that that's not the least bit correct. Welcome back to the show, Sue, and what an interesting topic, catnip today. It's a, it's a fascinating plant. Uh, for, first, it's, you know, the cats love it because, um, you know, it's in toys and all of that. And, of course, it's dried when it's in, in their toys. But it's very easy to grow. So if, if you have a, a, uh, someone that, that you want to get a really good plant gift for um, and they have cats or they like to grow very interesting plants, um, Catnip is a really good one. Uh, it's easy to grow indoors. It really only needs a, a bright, sunny window, so a west window, a south window, or easterly window. Uh, it grows very quickly, and and it doesn't take a tremendous amount of of care. It's it's a it's a happy plant, and one of the reasons why it grows so quickly is because. It is another member of the mint family. Oh, so another cousin of oh. the mint family. Yes, absolutely. Yes, oh, absolutely. I love that it's happy because it certainly spreads a lot of happy. <laughs> yeah, it, it does, and it's it's just such a cool plant because not only will it keep the cat happy, um, but it actually does some other really cool things. So when you dry this and not to put in the cat's toys, but you can um, cut off the leaves and dry it, like you dry any, any kind of herb, or you can freeze it. Um, you can put this into uh, little sachet bags and put it either in the, in the kitties' beds or even underneath the dogs' beds. Uh, and if you uh, want to put it in even under our mattresses, if you know some people have their cats or their dogs sleeping on their beds, but it um, actually repels fleas and ticks, which is a very oh. cool thing. Um, it has been used um, for many many years like this. Uh, it's sort of like lavender, but it does have that camphor smell once it dries. It's, it really does have a very strong, pungent um, camphor and mint smell. And that's what keeps those, um, those fleas and ticks away. So it's, it's a good plant to have around. Mm, I uh, love that. 
Sorry, keeping ticks away, is this um, something that catnip is actually actively used for, Susan? Um, it was originally um, used for, for this, yes. Absolutely. It was used as um, a natural insecticide. Um, I'm, I'm not, I, you know, I, I, if, if like with our dogs and our cats, we, if, you know, give them their, their medicine, don't stop doing that just because you're growing catnip and drying it. Um, right. But it was, um, uh, you know, it, so, because I, you know, it, we need to keep them healthy. So, but it can, um, on top of that, it can um, actually keep them away, um, uh, fleas and ticks. If, if you are storing um, any kind of um, like rugs or anything like that, it's a it's a very good dried herb to uh, to roll up um, with these you know with any kind of rug or even even sweaters or anything like that. It's a very good dry herb to do that because it does keep things away. I'm not sure that it keeps moths away. Except, I was just going to say, um, kind of replacing yeah. the mothball, but not quite. No, because mothballs do have camphor in it. So oh. it was the one thing I I don't know um, for for certain, but it wouldn't hurt. I, I, it, that that is one thing. It, it won't hurt. It does have the the um, the properties of um, right. keeping you know fleas and ticks away from from the camp. You know because of the camphor and the mint smell. So once it dries, it's it's very strong. Actually, it's very interesting. Mm. So. Ah, so if you are using it in that way, Sue, um, uh, how long before you should replace it? I. Usually, um, I, I usually with with my dried lavender, uh, with with any any of my dried herbs that I usually change them over about every three to four months, which would give you uh, like an overwintering um, uh, through the summer. You can um, put you know put this underneath um, um, mats that your dogs or cats may be sleeping sleep on. My my. My dogs sleep on every rug in the house. You find them, you know, here or there. So um, it, it's a good thing to, to you know, tuck under a corner of, of a rug um, during the summer, even during the winter when, um, you know, th things, you know, get around. So I do about every three to four months. Uh, then you have to shake it out, wash those um, those bags um, that you've had everything in, just wash them out, and then you can start all over again. That that is usual. Um, if you ever did have a like a flea infestation, and and you then um, you would probably have to do it a lot a lot more. And unfortunately, it it does happen um, because mm -hmm. that's you know that's for, we have our pets, and uh, they they do attract those those creatures. So. Yeah. Right, right. So, Sue, can we go over yeah. the, you said it's pretty easy. It doesn't need a lot, as yeah. long as it has that Western view. Can we just go through the, the life cycle? Like what, what when growing, yeah. what, what's it like? How and, not to screw it up? Yes, exactly. I mean, it's I easy for gentler. you to say it's easy, Susan. Yeah. You're a gardener, I was being gentle with some that. Of us, so yeah. Rumya doesn't screw the whole thing up. Some of us and don't even have a green thumb enough for mint, and mint is like so easy is what I hear. Yeah, and, and this is a cousin of mint, exactly. so it does grow very quickly. Yeah, but you can buy the seeds. You can buy catnip seeds. Now, on some of the packages, it'll say cat mint. Oh. There is a they're exactly the same. They they're, they're cousins too. It's just an offshoot of it. So cat mint and cat nip um, are fairly close. 
and 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 I do know that even some of the the uh, cat toys, I believe, um, people with cats can uh, correct me, but I believe that they even say on them sometimes cat mint or cat nip. Uh, there is a difference, uh, in, in a little bit of a difference. Catnip itself is um, it's the stronger of of the uh, of the herb, so and it does do all these wonder, wonderful things. And uh, when you start it, you can start it from seed. It'll grow very quickly. It takes about seven to twelve days for germination, uh, and it it will germinate very quickly, and like, just like mint does. But then when you start to grow it, keep it in a bright window, the west, the south, or an east window, and uh, it, it will grow very quickly. If you want to repropagate that, you don't have to start from a seed. Take a stem approximately six inches long. Make sure there's no flower on it. You cannot um, propagate with flower on it. It's very similar to mint and to um, basil. Uh, you must r- use the stems and that have no flowers. And it can't not flower at that point in time because then you won't get the rooting. So take a non-flowering um, stem, about six inches, and then just put that into uh, potting soil and uh, it, it will it will grow. It will root itself. It's very easy to root and uh, and a, a good plant to have around. And uh, once it flowers, the flowers feel very interesting, and they smell like mint. They smell like the mint flowers do. A um, little bit deeper scent because of the camphor smell. And okay. um, in the uh, cat mint, uh, they are purple, and the, um, the catnip. Um, some of the flowers are white, so it depends on what type you get. But both both will work. Both uh, types will work. Now I do know that you can put it in human salads. I've never tried it. I've never I've never eaten it. So uh, I don't I don't know whether well, you can't it you don't you can't attest to how crazy it makes us go if you have a nice dosage. <laughs> of it. Falling asleep at the table because it. Yeah, makes that's better problems. than you. That's better than you running up and down the wall, Sue, and uh, you know, like getting too hyper. So we'll take that, just like we do with the cats. Yeah, go to sleep. Yeah, but it it won't hurt humans, and it's very it, it and it won't hurt the animals either. Um, cats can eat it either um, fresh, the leaves fresh, or they can eat it dry or have it dry or however they do. I guess give it to them dried in in those toys or whatever mm-hmm. uh so yeah and and it it doesn't hurt humans either and i i don't i've never given it to my dogs and they've actually never pulled it out of underneath their mattresses either so that's um, what i was wondering when you said that about the yeah. carpets even the cats going and hey man trying to hide the candies on me are you this is good for a sneak of snooze <laughs> I, I they don't take yeah. it out of there my dogs don't, but I don't have cats, so um, right. somebody might. If somebody has cats and and they do use this as a repellent, then they can. I I don't know. Maybe it would just make the cat want to go and and lie in that um, area. So it's a good, uh, I guess, a good training tool too, right? <laughs> That's what yeah, they would go and would lie so. on their bed or what if they if there was a catnip underneath. So I'm not really sure. I can't think like a cat, but uh, like, <laughs> you can try. You know, but but Sue, so do we do we grow it out there in the garden, and does it bo- yes. get bothered by other animals? Is it one of those that other animals, whether it'll come along and do you, and have any protection you have to particularly do? 
Well, um, it, growing in the garden, um, it grows very quickly, and uh, just like the mint does, spreads very quickly. And yes, it will attract cats. So if you don't want um, cats in that in your garden, then it's it's probably uh, um, it's probably an herb that you don't want to put in the ground. But if you had a like a a planter, uh, you know, a small pot or a planter. You could put it in there and then harvest it, um, you know, for the for the cats and for the potpourri uh, and so on. So you, you could you could do that. I do not put it in the ground. I have had pots of it, um, and I've had some cat visitors like nibbling on it. It doesn't hurt other and an- it will not hurt other animals. It's flowers actually. Um, it's a good pollinator. Um, to put out into your garden because the bees love it. I also think that um, some other uh, really good pollinating insects really like it too. So all around, it's an all around good plant. That's really nice. I wonder if back at the hive there's trouble. Why are you guys all sleeping? Where you been? (laughs) Those are just the sleeping (laughs) ones though. How about the other ones? (laughs) That's all of it for sure. This is fascinating though, Sue. Like, really is thank you very much for bringing this one that's one that make you smile and something to get together and get to work on over your over your winter thank you mm-hmm. Hi. join us every friday we talk gardening with susan kearney what a time today talking everything we can about catnip if you missed any of it please go back and uh, check it out via the podcast we're going to step aside for a couple of moments Ramya and i and hope that you'll return on the other side of the break Well, here's something interesting for you. Google Chrome will limit ad blockers starting in June of 2024. How will this work? Don't know, but you know who does. Our man who hosts our app update, John Beeler. He's here next. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. With it being the weekend, folks, do yourself a favor and catch the pulse on AMI-audio. Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Now, this week, Joita speaks about effective ableism with Anastasia Todd of the University of Kentucky. That's the pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time on AMI-audio. You can also find it available to you on your favorite podcast platform. Also, folks, over on YouTube. Welcome back to Kelly and Ramya. I'm Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. And on Fridays, we like to get to our app update. Let's bring on John Beeler. Hi, I'm John Beeler, technology expert from Vancouver. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where I share the latest app, mobile, and tech news. Everything from accessibility and product launches to privacy and security. We'll cover the gamut. John, it's going to be good because the first item includes AI and art <laughs> so, yeah. so this is, we were talking about you know creating controversy on fridays right so we can't just keep people in good moods all through the friday show so here we don't know if it's bad news though so uh, google is tapping into ai art generators or an ai art generator to discover in real life aka irl versions of your dream products give us uh, the explanation well i think this is probably uh, a useful and fun thing that AI is doing. Good. Um, but it also is going to hit you in the pocketbook because 
basically what Google has done, they have something called the search engine experiment. And this is sort of like their Google labs that you have to opt into. This isn't sort of by default when you're using Google. Um, and what they're doing is they're allowing you to, or giving you the ability to sort of type in your dream product, for example. And what it'll do is it'll create some AI generated versions of that product, but then also try to match it up with existing actual products you can buy. And so one of the examples they have is like, puffy metallic winter coat mm. and basically what it'll do is it'll give you some examples of it you click on the one you like and then it'll try to find that product in real life wow okay but when you say um that first part of it you were saying ai will generate is it generating fictitious products like an idea of the product or is that still just to give you the examples of what you're looking for and then you can narrow it down further and then the whole point of it is it's going to go curate uh results of real life things that are already out there. Yeah. So essentially it's going to do like a mid journey style uh, representation of these products. Mm. Um, Cause the other thing too, I don't always know what a product is called. Yeah. Yeah. I don't right. necessarily Fair. know right. that that's a metallic jacket, for example. Oh, with fashion, such um, a good example. Cause yeah, there's stuff to describe everything. You might not know what the heck you're saying though. And, and this also yeah. creates the knowledge that there might be an interest for something, especially when you talk fashion, that isn't necessarily, if, if they see, hey, a jacket like that and that kind of color people are looking for, hmm. Well, you know, Google is going to be mining all of that data. So. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> Here we go. That's the other shoe dropping, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, the other thing you can do with this system as well is you can just say, tell me some great gifts for home cooks. And it will actually use AI to search out, I think, a little bit better than even Google's own search engine for those kind of uh, results. Uh, again, it depends on how descriptive you are in these prompts, but AI is behind it now. And it's going to, again, give you a shopping list of places to go mm. to get those gifts that you're looking mm. for. You know what this reminds me of? This kind of like both sides of this um, um scenario people fighting for this or against this it reminds me of like in-person shopping versus online you know there's there's lots of good reasons i think you would turn to another human being to recommend uh sh good gifts holiday gifts for home cooks and then great reasons for why you would turn to ai what are some of the reasons why we would turn to ai for something like this versus just a regular google search where somebody has compiled a list for you well, I, I think the difference here is that if you do a Google search, you're fighting against the the uh, the advertising yes, algorithm. That's it, right? Fair. Yeah. But even then, so, can't you yeah. get out of that by not clicking on ads or going straight into results that are you know articles or blog posts or something? Yeah, but you're still wading through it all. I think mm, the yeah. idea behind this particular service is that you're going to be able to skip that those sponsored posts, at least for now. Mm. This is right, considered right. an experiment, so it's not fully added up um, like uh, like the Google search box would be. But, um, right. you know, it's going to come. But I still think this might be slightly better because like that human that you would, re you would ask that question of, AI is essentially the same thing in the sense that it knows all the stores all the time all at once and what you can actually buy and maybe even specific to your country for example so yeah. you know, that's what i was thinking because that, yeah you just can't get it in canada for example right a lot of times that's it and this is 
apparently without bias. You know, I mean, a friend can have bias, yes, uh, but generally the friend's going to not say, well, just because I bought it or because it says here this is on sale, I found it somewhere, you, you could really try to track down something and, and use those parameters later. That's that's interesting, John. I think, like you said, at first, hopefully it doesn't get the at first and then, yeah, but if we put some, you know, like leads to products that are out there, I love the idea that you could, especially... A, I'm sure it helps people with different sizes who might need petites, who might need something bigger. It might help you really curtail that list and availability where you are. So I, I like that. Um, Apple announces RCS support for iMessage, John. Yeah, we talked about this, I think, literally just two weeks ago about so. uh, Google uh, and everybody else on the Android side saying, hey, Apple, come on, add RCS support. And they finally agreed to it. Uh, so basically what this means is early next year, or at some point next year, Apple hasn't specifically said when, they're going to start supporting RCS. And this basically allows, uh, it, it, it gives you, uh, as an Android user, uh, the ability to interact with iMessage people uh, better. You have much more uh, media options. You have proper emoji support um, and basically higher quality media uh, and even typing indicators between them. So essentially the only thing that's going to be different between um, uh, the, the, the messages that you send in iMessage to an Apple user or uh, an Android user will be the color of the bubble. Okay. Function, functionally, it'll be similar, um, but it's still not perfect. Uh, RCS still relies on the SMS platform and it's tied to your carrier's phone number. So um, the nice thing about iMessage is I could actually add Ramya and she doesn't have to know my phone number. She just has the email right. address that's associated yes. with that. Account. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, is it so, still end to end though or no because of that? Uh, that's a great question. I don't have the answer for you on that, but okay. I suspect that it'll still fall within the same uh, parameters uh, as iMessage. Um, but essentially, it, it brings, I guess, in some ways, Android up to the iPhone level um, or, and it levels the playing field because um, the biggest problem that Android users have had is they haven't had the full support of uh, what iMessage means to Apple users. Uh, right. and, and that's right. some of it's just really basic stuff, like just being able to see the typing indicator, the read receipts, those types of things that you don't typically get with an SMS message because it's just basically sent and fired off. And it's there's no data connection part of it, which is really what RCS is adding to that equation. Which is what I'm actually mm -hmm. curious about. Like if you're saying it's still tied to on the Android end, the SMS process uh you know your carrier your phone number uh, like the sending through that i wonder if that literally will mitigate the end-to-end -end opportunity um you know like the security of the messages between the two people uh but it will be done just to clarify this point it will be done through your regular text messaging um ways right if you're an android user that's not going to change it's not like you're going to download a second a different app, app that deals with that Correct. right mm. yeah okay yeah yeah right. you're just going to use your normal route and uh the difference is is that it'll it'll be able to tell uh the iphone user that you're texting from android mm. that um you're going to have that two-way communication with the the typing um, alerts and the, the 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 better quality media. So if you send a photo That's or a video, what I like, yeah, yeah. yep. 
Uh, I'm very curious about what that's going to sound like with screen reader. Right now, it's easy to tell if you can't see the the bubble. Um, it'll yeah. just say text message versus iMessage, but I wonder what just, it'll be like to differentiate. Just while we were talking about this, I just looked it up. Uh, apparently, Google will have some extensions that will add encryption, okay. but that's not part of the standard for this. So. Uh, some carriers and or some uh, cell phone providers might not uh, fully uh, incorporate that. So, the end to end, yeah. Mm. That's problematic. Your may vary. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, and we're hearing this but, now. This could change, like you said, John, this is going to be later next year. We know there's time to do it, but some of these concerns will be addressed by people like yourself, Rum. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, like, that's not the priority, right? Like you're mentioning, John, oh. it's better media, read receipts, all these other things. Read receipts? Anyways, but um, the the end-to-end -end was one thing that I thought about as one of the biggest reasons why people would switch over. But that, I guess, is a deeper point. Uh, last thing you want to get to is Google Chrome limiting ad blockers starting in June 2024. Isn't this going to be annoying? Yes. If you use an ad blocker, you're going to be very annoyed because effectively uh -oh. in Google Chrome, they're starting to block extensions or I shouldn't say block. They're they're basically limiting what an extension can do. And the, the gist of the problem here is that um, an ad blocker essentially has a big database list of all the sites that uh, are ad serving. Mm. And what Google's changed to their uh, extension system uh, essentially is going to limit the amount or, or how big that database can be. So uh, that's going to be really challenging for these ad blocking companies to keep on top of, you know, the the top thousand million. I don't know how many sites there are that actually generate all these ads that are being blocked. Like it's what it's whack a mole. So, um, but up until now, those extensions haven't been limited to how big of a set of rules you can have for blocking ads. So this is going to really constrain that. And essentially it's going to allow ads to slip through an ad blocker because oh the ad blocker is not going to be uh, empowered enough to block every single possible rule that's out there. Do you uh, have an idea of how people are going to combat this? <laughs> or are uh, there ways out there already that would be the secondary um, way of dealing with ads if you weren't using ad blockers that you think is going to you know, rise up because of this? Well, the the, the simple uh, response that I've seen online is people will just switch to Firefox. Yes, exactly. Just move <laughs> browsers altogether. That, that's why would exactly you deal, would right? Think. Well, that's right. Why would yeah. you ever want to? But the thing yeah. is, Google Chrome has um, a, a leg up in a lot of different ways. I'm just thinking of yes. soft, uh, not software, but, you yeah. know, web-based well, things. Behavior, that, behavior yeah. ease, uh, and, functionality. You know, for example, like Riverside.fm, which is a, a huge program that we use across our network to record remotely and get um, clean, real-time, uh, unobstructed audio and video. That's most usable on Chrome. So if you're going to get out of Chrome now as your default reaction and response to these kind of things, um, will Firefox and Safari and all these other big uh, places, browsers, start supporting and start pulling their weight with accessibility? Well, wow. it's interesting because um, Firefox has actually uh, come back. To, Google's reason behind doing this is, is for uh, privacy and other things, but sure. you know it's just so that they can actually get more ads. Yeah. Obviously, and Firefox has challenged the claims that Google has been making about these mm. changes. 
And essentially, it sounds like Firefox is going to become the ad blocking platform if if that's your if that's your, if that's your jam. So, because yeah. um, they're they're fully embracing these extensions and they're going to let these ad blockers uh, do all the rules that they yeah. need to do. So, yeah. um, but again, you know, things can change and there's, there's also other browsers you can use too, like Brave and DuckDuck and like all these other types of things that can mm. be done. And there's other things you can do that are, uh, outside of the browser for blocking ads. Um, there's yep. different tools you can use that are external to your computer that will block it as it comes into the router. Some routers even have ad blocking built into it as well. Right, so yeah. there's, oh. I mean, it's, it's a constant, uh, game of Babble. leapfrog. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, we yeah, know this just from the great. way that people, uh, respond to these things, like annoy the heck out of us and we will find another way to do it. Right. Um, so yeah well and it's always back and forth switch and then for a while and somebody says hey we're gonna do that and it, it, it's such a little game it yeah. really is google's notorious move for back move. and forth oh yes. google has Just fun kidding. because they're we're so gonna big go back. <laughs> yeah yeah well and also the, the the website publishers that have these ads are gonna find ways to get around these systems as well because mm -hmm. That's how they get paid. Yep. And um, even even some of the stories that I prepare for this segment, I like to use the reader view in Safari. I love it. And right. some of the, because um, that basically strips away all the ads, exactly. all the extra bloat. But a lot of websites have figured out a way to block that view. So you yep. literally just get the headline and you get nothing else but ads, ads. in that reader view. Yeah. Oh, so frustrating. All right. Thank you so much, John. You're welcome. Okay, talk to you next week. John Beeler joins us for our app update, and this is how we wrap the week with him on Fridays. Okay, folks, we'll step aside. We'll also chat about, well, who knows what Bill's got for us. It's The Buzz in two minutes. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Welcome back to the program. You know it's us, folks. Kelly and Rumya. Weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time was when we aired the show on AMI-tv, 4 p.m. Eastern Time over on AMI-audio. Thank you, wherever you're listening and around the world, for being with us. Appreciate it. Or watching us throughout Canada on AMI-tv. It's time to bring in Bill Shackleton. We call the segment The Buzz. We do this Wednesday through Friday on the program to finish off the first hour of the show. Billy, always with great things in hand. A reminder, Billy, it is a Friday. Uh, yep. We got yeah, a good one at the end. That. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, well, whatever. All right, all right. Where are we starting, sir? Well, how about local newspapers started by Ralph Nader saved um, from closure by an American media company? It's always nice when the when there is a local newspaper um, that is in jeopardy. And we all know that so many of these newspapers are, mm. um, have closed down. So this huge is numbers. a, yeah, huge numbers. So the Winstead Citizen, which is a Connecticut newspaper, um, was bought out recently. Um, it was started by Ralph Nader. And I wasn't able to find out much about the paper um, but he spent, I believe, um, 
$15,000 getting this thing going in February. And fortunately, um, you know, it was, it's been picked up. Um, you know, Ralph Nader was his, one of his goals because he is, a, he has ties to Connecticut because he worked at, at several newspapers um, as well as being, uh, was a three or four time presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, but he tried, he's, he's, he's been known to buck the trends of these newspaper closures. So fortunately, someone has stepped in and saved another paper. And it only takes, you know, one paper at a time. Um, and and it's, it's good to know that these papers are not going, you know, are, you know, going to dust or whatever. It's tough because... Oh, it is. You know, obviously, the physical paper isn't what people... And there are people out there who definitely love to get their physical paper. So you get caught in that online stuff, but then you get caught in all the cutbacks. And for whatever justifiable reasons, that owners, um, companies, and and again, a lot of them are the big companies that buy these places or multiple, multiple papers and do different things. And suddenly, ah, you know what? We don't want to do this anymore. We can't afford to do this this way anymore. And communities lose out like this small one in Connecticut oh, they, if the they paper do. had gone they do. south. We've seen it yep. here, Bill, so many of the post media, oh, for example. Yes. Uh it, it it breaks your heart. Um and you know, it's funny if you look back at what newspapers used to be, the dailies, the multiple a day, and not just in big New York City type places. You know, you know, you had an afternoon paper and an evening paper in some places, or that morning paper and afternoon paper. Um, it's really phenomenal when you think, how long ago was that? Well, 35, 40 years ago, and it isn't like that now. Even struggling to survive online with people, well, could you at least donate to this paper to read these items? How are these reporters and people, how are these owners making money? And they're very and so important in small communities to tell the news. I mean, I get so much of my stuff from, from these, from, from things that you'd never hear. And it's like, you know, I mean, what's big in Toronto, who cares? We're talking about these small communities, um, you know, the building of a bridge or the, the, um, the, whatever it is means a lot to these communities. And it's, 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 it's a shame that so many of these papers have gone under. Mm. I remember being in a play in Toronto uh, when I was a teenager and the North York mirror coming in. And that was a big yeah. deal to us to oh, be interviewed yeah, sure. by the North York mirror about this play that we were doing and just them come in. And, and I, I'm not being from Toronto. I hadn't heard of the North York mirror, but everybody there, Oh, the mirror's coming in the way, yeah, yeah. but it really truly had great circulation. And this is a, a paper the, it, it, for one of the boroughs in Toronto at the time. And Toronto's always a sticky one to point out as any of these examples for, like, obviously there's our neighborhood um, newspapers and, and blogs, as well as, you know, little suburbs and things like that, like the Scarborough Mirror. But also, because it's such a big city, it's almost unfair, right, to, to talk about this, um, the newspapers that stay and don't stay in Toronto. But in other places, like in this example, uh, the one from your story, Bill, it's like... 
rough. It's very rough for people who rely on these newspapers or that community feel. I think sometimes we just forget the intention as the world gets, you know, easier to stay connected to. You think, okay, just go on the internet. Like, do you really need this in this uh, newspaper or, you know, go on YouTube or whatever, like uh, tourism or all these other things. But there are other intentions to keep in touch this way. You used and to I think that, Billy, when one of these, I don't want to say conglomerates that were going in and taking over, buying a bunch of papers uh, in these communities to, would be the savior. You used to hope, and at one point, very early, they were, but now you got to worry as soon as they start doing that, you go, well, I wonder how many years they'll be, they'll be for this world, or are they going to be bought and shut right down mm -hmm. for whatever other assets or whatever reasons the conglomerate is doing it? It's, it is so frustrating, I'm sure, because if you had the financial abilities, I swear, even if it was just one person who had it That's right. uh, and, and felt the passion, the need to keep something like this going, it would not be a problem. You know it's, you know, heartbreaking when it's simply a financial problem and yeah. people like can't if, keep if it going. if somebody in that community could save it, Tim yeah. the Barber, whoever yeah, it might whoever. be. whoever. They know, would. That's it. They yeah. would, yeah. yeah. Sad, Billy. All right. Sad. Next. And good. That good is, mm. Oh, well, here in we this go. case, it's a good story. It's something nice yes, to hear. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. How about this one, folks? Cheers, a bottle of Scotch whiskey sells for a record $2.7 million at auction. Who bought it? Um, um, Irene. Don't Irene someone on our team? She wishes. Okay. I, I, I bought it. Um, yeah. Um, so there was 40 of these bottles um, called McCallum 1926. And it was basically uh, bottled for, I believe, 80 80 years and then or 60 years and then put in in the in these bottles so it sat in a cask for many many years and basically um was a cut tastes like rich dark fruit um black cherry comfort i guess sticky dates um i don't you know when you have when you think of a bottle like this it's like do you drink the whiskey or would you just keep the bottle i mean it's obviously a collector's item. I mean, um, I would love to drink it, to yeah. try it. No, yeah. But I'm not a Scotch expert, it. Shackleton. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be the thing. Once I opened it, I might, well, I'll just leave some of this in a, you know, just pour an inch in something and leave it out here so I could just keep smelling it until I'm through the bottle. And people would say, that's a waste. But pampering with a bottle, whether it's that cost or not, that age and for that that, that body and feel. But Billy, you're, you're comfortable with Scotch. Like, I mean, something like this for you, um, would you at least take one one glass of it? A whole glass? Sure. We're being greedy here. Well, we're talking yeah, Shaka would. style. He's not going to yeah, waste no, time. Money would. means nothing to him. Yeah, no, I would do it. I would do it. But I would definitely keep the bottle because, you know, I want it on my mantelpiece along with the certificate so people <laughs> right. could see it. Right. So notice he said the bottle rum, which meant empty. <laughs> at yeah. least keep the bottle. It, I'm not yeah. going to keep the contents. That doesn't owe nobody any good. It's Isn't just, it fun wasted. to try to break it down mathematically? Like how much would a shot from this bottle oh, be? Oh, I wonder. Cost. How I wonder. much of the, yeah, what did they spend? Like what are you being charged for? The cork, the the bottle, the the frame, that little thing that keeps the cork on. Um, but it's crazy because everything is scale, right? The Didn't they say this full price includes a surcharge? Like a buyer's yeah. surcharge? 
Yeah. And that itself was a couple million. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, I mean, so you're talking, yeah. Um, Um, Well, actually, you did mention something about they did did have to replace the cork. And they did actually replace the label. Oh, and that's Um, why it's so expensive. What was it before? A couple thousand? Yeah, yeah, probably. I wonder where you get the right label, right? Like from, I guess probably maybe there's some originals around somewhere, right? If you're looking at trying to make it authentically or or continue on its age and everything like that, or just oh, just grab another label and put it on, and we could charge an extra million because there's a label. Um, you know, Billy, it's so fascinating because outside of the money and the cost, I just wonder what a true Scotch drinker would think of this kind of thing, like like. Uh, you know, are you looking for something that has this descriptive, described taste to it, or is that just too overdone? I think it's the money. I mean, I think it's a whole idea of this type of thing. Is I want it's a collector's item. I don't yeah. know that they really, really would care. Would you what ever it open like? it? Like that's the thing when you pay. Yeah. Oh, I'd uh, I have to figure like out what said. the. I know, I know. Oh. I have to figure out the word for this, but my brother and I often talk about like what's too much money. After a certain point, you're not just paying for mm-hmm. quality ingredients or you know an incredible taste experience anymore. You're just paying premium. Well, there's the those who pay it because they can. Then you become yeah. extravagant with yes. something. And, but it's and, not because uh, you know this is, is the best Billy, whiskey. Is that the word? Yeah, no, gauche, no, I guess. No. Yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, but, but it's not because you're um, trying the best whiskey ever, right? Like you hear this kind of no. thing all the time. It's because no, you, you can, can. You could never ever quantify that it's the That's best just because saying. of the price or whatever, right? It's the same yeah. thing. Like you pay 25 bucks for a burger, sure. But when you pay $150 for a burger, are you having exponentially a better burger? No. No. And again, there are there are those who say or but that comes down to like there are things about nodes or things that people put in things to make them an expensive make, but you could make that yesterday yeah. versus eighty years, eighty eight years ago. Uh, Bill, real quick, what's your last one? Well, big um, big game trophy hunters um, are targeted. Um, they you are no lo- no longer allowed to bring um, as of January eighth. You're not. We. You can only bring elephant and rhinoceros tusks in to Canada for research um, or scientific purposes or enforcement. Yeah. Um, apparently, there has been over 400 tusks imported legally in, in this country, um, and the the government has said, "Well, we're not. We're not going to allow." And this is all we've talked about this before, where. We've got to stop the poaching of these rhinoceros endangered and species. Orans. Yeah, endangered. Yeah, yeah. But now they're saying, except if you're law enforcement, and except yeah, if it's for science. That's right. What the you heck is law enforcement can't. using it for? And I, feel I like you this know what? I don't know. Why would you? Why would you do that? Yeah, even I don't science. Know. What do you need? I mean, I'm sure there's yeah, just certain I, things I that know. they might say. Even health, maybe grind down, ground yeah. it down. Maybe there's some kind of. Uh, as you know, soon as you say law enforcement, I feel like it's a scapegoat. To get it back into the country, it's <laughs> not a real sure. rule. Yeah, Bill, thanks Mike. a lot, pal. Um, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next Wednesday, buddy. All right, talk later.
the buzz. We do it Wednesday through Friday right here on Kelly and Romeo. We've got another hour of the program, folks. Let's get the conversation recaps and comment on segments from the past week on Cut for Time. On the Chatty Bookshelf, Ryan tells us about a few airports that have libraries and welcome you to them. We'll get details on that in a moment, though. The pair of Pan Am games are reaching their final stretch as we uh, head into the last weekend. Brock Richardson, he's got the goods for us on it. We'll catch up with him after this. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Thanks for being with us, folks. They're on main campus in Toronto at AMI, and we are settled in for another hour of our program with a lot of great content ahead. Time to catch up on things in the sports world, especially with the pair of Pan Ams on. Let's welcome in Brock Richardson. I'm Brock Richardson, and I love sports. As a former pro athlete, I bring you the sports angle beyond the headlines, plus parasport news and analysis. Brock, a lot here on the table to get into, and we only have once a week to do it with you, so I'm going to fly right in. We're going to forego uh, your headline piece today or, or whatever is going on. We're going to skip that, folks, because he's got a lot here. Huh. As with every yes. sporting event, we talk about success stories, but... We also talk about disappointments. Um, who are we putting in that category? So let's start with the success uh, stories first. I One of the really cool stories that came out of this event was that on the same day, so day one of the competition, uh, we had a 66-year-old table tennis player, Stephanie Chan, win a medal. And then we also had 16-year-old, Fernando Lu win another medal in swimming. Why is this important? Well, because uh, Stephanie Chan is 66 years old and Fernando Lu is only 16. Now, the cool thing about this is this has never happened where they've had the oldest member of the Canadian Paralympic Committee and the youngest member win a medal on the same day. Fernando Lu has added another uh, silver medal to his... Uh, sorry. Stephanie, uh, yes, Fernando Liu has added an, another silver medal to his uh, collection uh, for uh, swimming. So that's pretty cool. But on the very first day, they both had one medal, oldest and youngest, which was pretty cool. Nice. Wow. That and is then, phenomenal. Wow, that's so cool. 50 years Yes. Ooh. Absolutely. And the Canadian Paralympic Committee is pretty proud of this as well. I think if we look at other success stories... I think uh, we can look at the women's goalball program defeating Brazil. This was a really big accomplishment for them. Uh, Real-time update, they are currently beating the U.S. 3-2 in the gold medal game with about seven minutes left in the game. So fingers crossed we're adding another medal uh, to this. If we're looking as we continue, if we're looking onto the track, I would say that the track and field is another success story as a whole for Canada. They started their event on Tuesday, which is a bit later than some of the other ones. Mm. And they already have seven medals to their name. So we're going to see Ooh. more as time goes on, as the weekend uh, wraps up, because they started late. But so far, we're off to a really good start. Okay. This is fantastic. I know we're basically, you know, in that home stretch, as we've been saying. So hearing all this at this point does feel like a nice uh, point for Canada. Um, 
we do talk about the success, but also the disappointment. So what do you want to mention there? So uh, I would say that the first uh, disappointment for this would be that the men's side on wheelchair basketball losing in their semifinal is a huge uh, disappointment for uh, wheelchair basketball. Mm. This was a, a team that was really, really poised to get to that uh, gold medal uh, matchup and likely face uh, or what they thought was to face the United States. They really didn't play well. Uh, they lost by nine points this morning uh, to Colombia. Mm. It just didn't work. And now we talk about situations where they they need to win the bronze medal just to qualify for the last chance tournament that will be happening in April. This wow. is big, big pressure for Wheelchair Basketball Canada. Uh, another sort of unfortunate situation is the men's goalball team uh, losing to the United States 11-4 to yesterday. This was a real... A tough game for them. They they got into some trouble. They didn't play very well offensively nor defensively. They ran into a little bit of penalty trouble. And I know that's not the big point of every game, but when you get one penalty, it just seemed to snowball on them. And it just one thing after another kind of happened for them. Um, and, and here we sit. Now, they did mm -hmm. bounce back today against Argentina and win uh, 6-2. So they've defended their uh, bronze medal uh, as well. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, before we move off of this, I just want to jump back on a few uh, more success stories that I wanted to highlight. I think if we look at the uh, women's wheelchair basketball program, I think they are a success story thus far. The reason I put thus far is because they still have to play uh, the United States, which is their arch rival, as we often hear in Canada. They play them today at 5 p.m. Eastern time for the uh, gold medal. And again, this is a situation where winner gets a direct qualification uh, for uh, Paris 2024. Uh, and again, I really have to shout out my own sport of bocce, who they brought home uh, four individual medals. And this was a real, real good thing. And I want to highlight Lance Kreiderman, who's in the, the BC1 category for bocce. This man took a hiatus from uh, bocce in the early 2000s and uh, was watching a national championships in uh, 2017 and, and said when he was watching the live feed that I happened to be commentating that uh, he said, I could still compete with these individuals. Well, he's come back and he has won his first uh, para Pan Am silver medal as an individual. So really to come back 20 years later and say, I can still do this is really something to be really proud of. If we look in the BC4 category for bocce as well, we can say that Alison Levine winning the gold medal for the individual portion on the women's side is also a good thing. She has won four straight international tournaments this year. She is on fire. She's ready to roll. Uh, there's lots of good things happening and the team in Paris portion of the event, which is now the second half of this, there's lots of medals uh, going to be up for grabs and Canada's really setting themselves up well there. So that's the good, the bad that we're talking about. How many medals do we have in total? Uh, we have, I had to scroll up and then I'm coming back down again. Uh, we have um, five gold, 
10 silver and 16 bronze for a total of 31. Now, I'm going to tell you that by the end of the day, we're going to be at least at 33 because the goalball team will win a medal and so will the women's wheelchair basketball team. So if you're listening to this on a repeat, it will be upwards into the 33. But as we're doing this right now, we are at 31. Okay. I mean, and you currently mentioned goalball, basketball. Sorry, Ram, go ahead. No, 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 you, go ahead. Gosh. I was just going to ask, is there any other highlights you want us to note for the next couple of days mm. uh, for people to make sure they don't miss? Yeah, I think uh, the big thing for people to recognize is that track and field is is sort of the event that's going to wrap this thing up for us. And, and we're going to see some events there. As I mentioned, team in pairs for Bocce is still uh, um, there. So those are kind of the two big events. Most everything else is either wrapping up later today or uh, tomorrow. There isn't much going on from Saturday evening into Sunday. There's a little bit of road cycling, but I think Canada's basically uh, done what they're going to do in road cycling because most of those people already competed in the early parts of the uh, of the event. So yeah, that's sort of what you're looking forward to as we wrap this thing up. Uh, any else you want to say on how the event overall is feeling for para pan am i don't know if you're comparing with former years or uh, you know former ways that the the sports have been represented or just in any other way do you feel like it's successful oh and also the uh, live like the streaming the commentary i, I it's funny you bring that up because <laughs> i know i it's it's i think we need to look at this in two ways we need to look at this and say cbc has had three channels and they run them all all day all the time the the challenge is is they decide what you're going to watch so there could be multiple things on and you're going to get told what it is you're going to watch and so thankfully the app is a pretty live and ready to go situation where you can real time and see what the scores are that doesn't really allow you to see the actual game itself. Then, as individuals who are visually impaired and are watching it on tablets, when you're watching a goalball game and the commentator mixes up U.S. versus Canada names, you kind of go, yeesh, this is a problem, right? And and I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's a real challenge when you are unfamiliar with the sport and you're coming in and, and doing this broadcast for likely the first, maybe the second time that people are doing this. It's it's a challenge, and I think the sports that people don't have a relation to, a la goalball and bocce, it's it's sort of harder for them to relate to because they can't say, oh, it's wheelchair basketball, which is similar to stand-up and et cetera. I mean, there's just a lot of things, but I think we need to look at this and say we are stepping in the right direction, but it's a far cry from what was Vancouver in 2010 when we could literally go on the app and click on each tab and say, uh, this is what I want to watch and this is what it looks like. I, you know, that's just my takeaway from this event. Mm -hmm. And somebody that's reporting on it for multiple situations, it, it can be tough. Yeah. Uh, and I think, Brock, 
what I saw in comparison with the Olympics compared to right now what's available. And this is around the world as the consortium works out what they can do, what they're going to do. And unfortunately, you get too many dinosaurs like me that look back and say, man, I remember when you would just wave bye to people like they were going off to war. Hey, good luck. And sometime down the road here, how they did or who were the movers and shakers where we have so much now that we're able to get and looking for more. And the more interest, obviously, at people learn these things and hopefully well. Brock, before you go, um, we know you're doing some great commentary as well for CBC and that people can catch on the app. Would you say this? has been a success. And when I think about this, I don't know if this is the right context, when it look ahead to Paris and qualifications, such as what we were talking about, the pressure that, uh, you know, wheelchair basketball men's has. For all intents and purposes, I would say for the most part, the Canadian Paralympic Committee looks at this and says, yes, we, we have a success. I think the ones that this is the last opportunity for them to qualify that's the ones that are tougher to to sort of swallow. But yes, I think it's a success. I am kind of surprised that, you know, swimming only has nine medals given their uh, plethora of disciplines as we sit here. That's the one key of this where I'm like, really, after almost a week, we only have nine medals. Swimming tends to be the, the, the place that picks up a lot just based on volume and number of athletes. So thanks, pal. Really great. Great work, Brock. Thank you for covering so much off for us. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes us really enthused when you when you hear this stuff and looking forward to whether it's qualifications or all the way to Paris. Brock Richardson hits us, folks, with sports on our program beginning the second hour on Fridays. Ahead next on the show, the Chatty Bookshelf. And Ryan Huey is going to tell us about a few airports that have libraries, which welcomes all passengers, no matter if flying domestic or international, right after this. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Want to find some of our content, folks? AMI Plus is there and available for you online. The new platform features a slick, modern look and puts AMI original award-winning content right at the forefront. AMI Plus is fully compatible with accessible technology. So please check it out. Visit amiplus.ca. Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. Let's get to it. This is our weekly audiobook chat with Ryan Huey. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? I'm Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf, where we talk audiobook trends, news, and author interviews. Ryan, I think this is the first time we're mentioning Black Friday on the program. Is it, Kels? Uh, no, we've talked about Black... Oh, oh today. you mean today? Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I don't think we did earlier. Oh, we went guy. three quarters of a show without mentioning Black Friday. That's actually kind of... And I had to go and ruin it, eh? No, no. No, this is the best way to bring it up with audiobooks. I think so, too. Mm -hmm. Guys, it's Black Friday... I've already seen books up to 45, 50% off as low as $2 <laughs> on Audible. I've I've been trying my hardest not to max out my credit card, but the guys, it, it's a, they're out there. Go get them. Uh, it's it's going to be all weekend by the sounds of it, but it started today and everything is on sale. Everything is uh, just so low and there, there's something for everybody out there. So go, go see those books audiobooks.com uh it's everywhere it's it's everywhere wow. i might you i have about 400 emails in my oh. my personal email i i haven't even <laughs> oh uh, haven't, i am not even not even 
right? I'm not even going to go get through them, but guys, it, it's there. So there is really Isn't something for everybody. Isn't it worth getting through, Ryan? You've got nothing else to do. You work for CNIB. You've got a nice oh, easy God. day. All hey, right. pal, why don't you just use that? <laughs> I really tried to wanted to stop it before it got there. No, but, no, but Ryan, no, no, no. I want to say okay. this because I'm going to even talk about me possibly spending money. And you two know no that way. I'm Tell by us nature more. against that. I might even open my Apple Books app today because Stop. of what this man just said. I might, if I remember Stop by it. the end of the show. Don't tease. No, it well, might happen. Will ask you. Why don't you go to Audible? Why don't you go to Audible? Because they have subscription sales Oh, no, right he now. doesn't so want you that. Because right, then he's going to get sucked like into the monthly, six right? Six months for... Oh, well, for but, uh, yeah, he would. He no, would, for sure. It, no. I would, for sure. You're, you're overselling it now. you got to meet him where he is. I already have enough garbage that's going up in price, Netflix and so on, that I'm already sitting here. Why I do know, I have this? I but I won't. Uh, not. But, it, you know, like you say, Ryan, and and, and folks, I, I mean, I, I joke about it because I'm cheap that way, um, but I definitely see the value, and I love the excitement because this is still so in its infancy, audio books and everything. And every year, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, we're just like 400 emails telling you the explosion is phenomenal. It's unbelievable. I mean, and it's just, everything is just Black Friday today. Like even the Yankees are emailing me to replace my garage door and windows today for extraordinary prices. So it's really <laughs> interesting. Some of the things are getting right. So be careful out there, please, everyone. But you know what? Audiobook wise, do your audibles, uh, audiobooks.com. Uh, uh, Graphic Audio has some tremendous sales out there. Uh, Apple Books, Google Books. Nice. There's a ton out there, just everywhere for everybody. And there's some that are super, super low. Uh, good. So save your money while you can and stock up for the holiday season. Um, we need, there's, it's like the scam of saving money by spending more money for deals. We need a it compilation is. of all the times Ryan said, I'm trying not to spend money on my credit card. <laughs> there's so and many. It, and, and meanwhile, at the that's offices that's of his credit card doorbell. holder, they're just saying, <laughs> Ryan hooey, Black Friday yeah. hooey. You need to cancel your credit card, man. <laughs> that's my new doorbell. Yeah, yeah for sure. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying not to spend my money. Okay. Um, there are, believe it or not, other things we want to talk about. So what are we talking about today? Super cool, guys. I love this story. And it all started down south. So, you know, shout out to our, our neighbors to the south again, you know, with their Thanksgiving, their Black Friday sales. But in Cincinnati Airport, they have a little library. You don't need a library card. You don't need anything. It welcomes anybody, whether you're flying domestic, whether you're flying international, it doesn't matter. And the premise of it is take a book, leave a book. And I think it's the coolest oh, thing ever. Nice. Imagine what you can do. And now they have even some local libraries, some county libraries down in, uh, in Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky actually have signed on and if you do have a library card you can actually get qr codes to scan certain things and certain items to bring on to the plane with you on your devices which is actually really cool but the mm -hmm. thing that gets me about this is that the take a book leave a book you don't know what you're getting you don't know where it's coming from you don't know where it's been and i think this is so cool i think how well traveled could these books be and that's what really gets me going with this library and it's it's blossomed up to 15,000 books that they even have. It's not just, uh, oh, in these walls. It's actually like a 
a, a little piece of the uh, the concourse now is dedicated to the library. They're working on a name and the, the, it's actually caught on and other airports are trying to do this as well and trying to take this idea and make it into something. So I think this is something that I would love to see Pearson. I'd love to see Vancouver and other airports in, in the U.S. and worldwide really take shape and to, to have something like this because I think it's super cool. Um, what I think is great we were talking about around here yard sales and how much stuff people pick up. And my mom, who was a huge fan going a, a lot of time, it was books and not necessarily, you know, the, like, you know, sometimes it was her little books that she liked to read for her entertainment. Other times it was just finding different stuff and having it as a coffee table book at home or something. But when you talk about dropping something off, Ryan, and the history of that book, you don't know where it's been, you don't know the value of it, but the exchange idea alone, and we've talked about, you know, the borrowing library where you borrow something, you bring it back, honor system, which is something so many of us don't necessarily feel, because it could easily say, oh, a library, so well, how does that work? Mm. Because we're in this world of the internet, oh, okay, well, yeah, take your book, and when you fly back through Cincinnati, drop the one that you are taking out, but if you don't, we've got your name and everything will come after that you. That would be so nice yeah, if you could just collaborate like from all airport to airport that yes. way. Oh, yeah, my and, neither, and if you had to drop it off so much, but this is so nice because, you know, you drop a book in here, take this book, you know, whether you, this is something you do if you're a regular traveler and you kind of just recycle books around yeah. from library to library without them having to worry or ruin the whole, well, we got to chase somebody down because no, he hasn't no. returned it. This is a much friendlier, casual way. If someone wants to book that bad and they pick one up and walk out and don't, whatever. Yeah, who cares? Give one back or, what? okay, so that's yes. just that kind of, per but you can get donations from libraries and that that will yeah. supply to this and just try to feed it. And Donated and books, it. all kinds of things. You know what I love? And that's where it started. Yeah. And you know what? The, the tagline of it so far is, you know, it gives forgotten books a second chance. Mm -hmm. And I love that because yes. it's like they oh, all started yes. with the, the castaways. And it's like, oh, well, we don't want these books anymore. Well, hey, we'll take them. And now I, I understand, you know, for a lot of um, a lot of people, a lot of folks out there, they won't be able to read the books uh, because it's not a, you know, whatever format they need. But I think the idea we could get there. I think we really oh, could yeah. get there. And it's just, it's so funny. Get the kids away from the tablets and away from the iPods and everything. You know, hey, come, let's grab a book from this library and see what it was like. Or maybe, you know, I walk in with a book and it's like, oh, this isn't really what I want to read. But oh, my goodness, look, well, here's this on the shelf. And, and you switch it up. Take a book, leave a book kind of thing. Exactly. And even deeper than just, you know, d distracting your kids, I feel like it's promoting something here. Like, we know that airports and air travel, period, is exhausting it's frustrating it's anxiety inducing there's so many reasons why people just don't fly like you guys have people in your lives right who are like no i don't fly i i, I can't like it's too much for you but mm -hmm. this kind of thing is um it's promoting the opposite it's promoting this relaxation this hey familiarity are you a bookworm are you feeling like just you know taking some time away from some of the other things maybe your flight's been delayed by several hours whatever it gives you something to do where you can actually relax and calm down that's why they've created the ambience as well right with the the couches and the relaxation you have the physical books yeah. people relax just when they see bookshelves when they have mm -hmm. the opportunity to pick up and flip through to hold a book in your hands um you like this is creating 
environment for people to say, let's step away from the chaos of the airport and step into a library. That's safe and calm and relaxing and quiet space. And I think promoting something like this is huge. Like, as you've mentioned, Kels, and you, Ryan, there are so many ways to expand an opportunity like this just with the intention of um, quiet space. Remember Relax. when... Remember when I haven't the even told you guys app, the best part yet. Oh, okay, wait, I'm looking forward to it. But remember when the Calm app was making huge strides mm -hmm. in airports yep. yes. and, yeah, yep. like just giving people the opportunity to or meditate anxiety, and relax? Or those dogs that yeah. people were snuggling up against. It's the I, same I, thing. It is, and I, I Ryan, want to see this morph into, like, bus stations, train stations, because there's so many people who have the anxiety we're talking about, whether it's waiting for something or when the your, 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 your train is delayed or whatever, but not just that, sitting there on that train, get off at the next station, drop it off at the library yeah. there, exchange it there, or just drop it off, so this was a great read, whatever it mm. might be, and it will introduce people to a lot of older stuff. We're so, oh, I want the latest of this or this. But some of these books from 90s, 80s, 60s, whatever it might be. So it's, who the heck is this character? And they start, and you just go back. This is old Stephen King. Oh, this is some private detective book from the 50s. Whatever it might be, the excitement is there, Ryan. No, and you're absolutely right. And that's the one big thing, too, is, you know, everybody's been to an airport and it's, you know, $12 for a coffee. You don't need any money to enjoy anything in this part of the airport, which is really hard to come by anywhere you go, right? But the best part of this story is the random acts of kindness that have been coming out of it. So there's yeah. been people that have dropped gift cards in the books and said, hey, enjoy uh, whatever on me. Or there's just a nice note, a post-it note saying, hey, you, you know, uh, you matter or or whatever in there Aww. and it's actually really great and the people that have randomly picked this up and then not even found it till they get off in Paris oh or gosh. wherever else it, it just, talk about it, good reads I love exactly. this it's so cool some of the things that have come out of this and then it comes all the way back to the uh, the executive director and again they need a name for the library so come on guys they they yeah. they need to to get on that so that they can you know start doing the social media and stuff because this is already flying off the, the off it's wild this this idea and i think it's it's oh, the something concept is they're beautiful. onto something oh they're onto something yes absolutely yeah i mean you're connecting with people from around the world right like you uh, i go and write something from i don't know from toronto and then somebody else picks it up from another it's kind of like that pen pal aspect of libraries as well like when we used to yeah. borrow books you see all the people who borrowed it before you it's a shared experience in different times yeah, yeah. yeah exactly so you're kind of yeah. bringing, you know that all of the conversations we have when we feel like dampened by the aspect of uh, libraries going obsolete and you know where do they stand nowadays are they able to survive this is one of the best ways i think libraries can survive this is so the cool. The Into the Clouds I can't think Library. Of a better way. Yeah. Into the Clouds Library. Oh. I like, I like that. Right. Let's start. Yeah, Ryan, go ahead and submit, and I'll take the money. <laughs> okay. Oh, there's no money. He, He'll just he need money. needs something. money here. for his new Apple here. books. Here, here, huh? The Kelly McDonald <laughs> wing, yeah. Yeah, that, well, that's part of the Into the Clouds uh, Library yeah, for yeah. certain, because this thing will explode. Then. God, no, it's starting to start turn out this like fraud. Bye, I just Ryan. can't wait to see other ones elsewhere. That's what I want to see. <laughs> we got to stop before we say something inappropriate about Thank the Thank you so much, guys. Talk to you next week. Have a good weekend. Yeah, enjoy my uh, In the Clouds library. Kelly McDonald wing. Do your job now. Where, that was his where's idea, that money mine. going? Uh, okay, you know what? We'll talk about it on the break. Um, Ryan Hui joins us on the Chatty Book Show. We talk audiobooks on Fridays.
uh, in a few moments, we're going to weigh in on uh, conversations from the past week. We call the segment Cut for Time. We'll get right to it after this break in two minutes. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen, and it is that time. Ramya Muthan and I gather, and today we're gathering with Grant Hardy, who is going to be here for our Cut for Time segment with us. Now, what happens is we like to just kind of weigh in on some segments that occurred during the week on the program. Maybe we had a comment or something to say about it, wasn't time to do so. Maybe something else to add, or we want to maybe get into a little bit of our own feedback about it, because it wasn't so necessarily appropriate, uh, whether it was time or just obviously letting the guest have the floor. So we do this on Fridays on Cut for Time. So uh, again, as I mentioned, we welcome Grant Hardy into the picture here, and Grant will start us off today. Welcome back, sir. Thank you for having me. I just wish we had a cut for time for cut for time. Mm, exactly. Um, yeah. All right. On Monday uh, on Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin, she spoke to Professor Laverne Jacobs about human rights law and some of the barriers to equitable access to post-secondary education. I recently published a, a study that looked at human rights tribunal decisions in Canada over a seven-year period. And some of the major findings um, show that there are barriers um, at the level of admissions, um, at the level of in-program accommodations, uh, as well as um, something I've termed legal barriers. So with respect to the first of those, admissions, um, one sees um, a lack of accommodations in standardized testing. So, um, you know, a lot of uh, admissions processes, particularly for professional programs focus on having some sort of standardized test. Yeah, I mean, I think there are really a few things that uh, I just wanted to kind of add on based upon my experiences. Uh, one is that uh, oftentimes, you know, entire faculties or programs have restrictions. For example, I think that it's pretty common for people with certain disabilities, including vision, to go into uh, the arts uh, because they're relatively relatively easy to accommodate. Uh, but if you talk to anybody about going into fields that perhaps people really want to go into, or even fields where people would provide an exceptional benefit in those fields, anything from social work to sciences, math, statistics, psychology, anything like that, I think that there are often some roadblocks, either very severe roadblocks, like how are you going to get, you know, this displayed tactually, and how are you going to get uh, someone who knows kind of how to teach this to you in non-visual form, but also just a little more implicit, like kind of just encouraging you, listen, there there might be some roadblocks here. Uh, have you, you know, considered going into arts? And as we enter an, an era of AI and an era where really like the jobs are going to come from science, technology, STEM, uh, that, that really, um, that really uh, scares me. And the other issue is um, just those standardized uh, tests, as they mentioned, everything from, you know, like the, the, LSAT exam for for law to just some of those other tests, I believe, can have very explicitly uh, not really important 
but very visual or not accessible uh, barriers, and that can be difficult to to get past. Uh, and and the other issue, uh, Kelly, is this issue of um, you know just waiving things. We don't really know how to make this accessible. Yes. We're just going to waive this course requirement, and then that it can create some barriers down the road. Either of you want to comment yeah. on that, Ramia? Yeah, know. I do. Go ahead, Ram. Oh, so that's the thing. And you know what, Grant, you say, like, as you were speaking, you were mentioning, like, STEM and um, science and tech as kind of one side of the spectrum and arts and humanities as the other side. But I've actually been in several scenarios throughout post-secondary life, mostly. Uh, and a lot of what I went, you know, experienced was um, uh, courses in music, courses in English, courses in uh, radio, right? But so much of the time, you will regardless run into these issues, right? Regardless of what courses you're taking, what the expectations are, or you think, you know, yeah, this is all writing, it's gonna be fine for me, but I'll still run into these issues. I ran into Photoshop issues, into software issues, into accessible format issues. And so, yeah, absolutely things are amplified when you get into tech and science and STEM, but um, regardless, it's it's very attitudinal, right? It's very nuanced for people. And you know, you mentioning things like the LSAT also makes me wonder about students who have gotten up to, like they've pushed and persevered and gotten up to levels where they are competing with elite academic uh, or, you know, self-learning requirements like for the LSAT and um, medical qualifications or all kinds of things like that. And run into segregation issues. Like, how am I supposed to write my LSAT the same way you're writing your LSAT as a person with a disability, as a person who needs things in very different forms in order to understand, to comprehend, to to uh, find solutions to problems? Things are presented in innately inaccessible ways, right? Like the LSAT is a very unique circumstance for, um, you know, to just explore on a curiosity level, let alone if you're put into this as a career uh, path and think, how am I going to get through this if it's not presented in ways that I can cognitively process in the optimal scenario in order to make the, 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 um, the scores? So Kelly, like there's just a lot of circumstances that people are placed into where, um, the, the barriers, the boundaries, the, the discrimination can come up very drastically but feel sudden, even if you've had a lifelong experience of uh, advocacy. Well, I, and the problem is this is the things people want to do. These are the areas when we're starting to learn about something, when we're taking schooling to do so, when we enter into the career, you want to troubleshoot. You want to hope that people are most accepting of accessibility needs of how you're going to not be so focused on, well, we can't make it easier for you. Well, we can't, because as I've said to so many people, easier? There's no way a disabled person, unless you let them show up to day one of school and give them their diploma and tell them to go home for the next four years, there's no way it's ever going to be easier. It, it's just, there's too many things when it comes to courses, too many things when you enter into anything. And when you're running to take a, a course, when you're going to be qualified, it's always tough. So really wonderful points listening to you guys. Thank you. Um, on Tuesday, nutritionist Julia Karanchis joined us on the program to discuss the health benefits of chili. I'm sure there is plenty, and we got to hear a lot about this. Why talk about chili? Well, anyway, I'll comment on that in a moment. Here she is explaining so much more about it. I love 
chili. There's so many things I love about chili besides eating it. It's such a versatile food. It's a great way to get in a lot of nutrients, also a lot of vegetables, which is always an added bonus. Um, and, you know, if you don't like kidney beans, you can add a chickpea or a black bean. Mm. If you don't like red meat, you can use ground turkey. If you don't like meat at all, you can use a melody of beans and add extra veggies. There's so many options based on personal preferences. So I find this a really versatile food and I thought it deserved, I thought it deserved a whole segment because I think oh, it's yeah. so fabulous. And grief, a whole segment. <laughs> Funny enough, I had technical problems and wasn't able to be with you to kind of yeah, question the irony this. Of at it the all. time. Yeah, mm -hmm. isn't that something? Anyway, I don't understand because everything I ever hear about chili is the following. Oh, it's so good. Oh, you can make a huge batch of it. It'll last me for a few days. Oh, I'll feed the whole family, so I don't have to really spend a whole bunch of money. Oh, that's oh, the what else do you want to have tonight? Well, why don't you make your chili? Hey, you know what? It's a big old party. You know, we've got the Super Bowl. I'm going to make my famous chili. Me too. Me too. That seems to be what chili's all about to me. Here's the strange thing, because there's a lot of propaganda going around through AMI about my dislike of chili. The funniest thing about chili is every single thing, including those darn beans she was talking about, I enjoy. Uh-huh. On their own. Where have we heard this How before, people? How you go and screw it up, okay. putting it in a chili is beyond me. <laughs> what do you people do to make it taste funny for when I scoop it up? And I, oh, no. He's funny. Now, this is the rest of the story. There are multiple different kinds, as Julia was saying, of chili out there. I've had friends go over their recipes, tell me over and over the multiple. They can make a hundred different kinds of chili. I have no idea why. But they could do all sorts of them. And yet most of the ones I've had is that darn ground beef nonsense. But there are so many. Now, I'm a fish eater. I've even had people try to tempt me. Hey, Cal, why don't you have it with fish? No, 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 no. I can't even comprehend that. But I will admit to the fact that it makes no sense to me as much as it makes no sense to the rest of you how something that I enjoy the smell of has every single food item in it that I enjoy for uh -huh. the most part, with separate on its own, but once it becomes chili, and I don't even think it's when I hear the the, the name, oh. it just becomes, this oh, is, good This is God. almost an inappropriate use of cut for time, don't you think? I think a lot of no, us No, it's legal. No, no, it's legal. <laughs> it's legal. It's legal. And this is, I'm this just is a turning out situation. the fact. This is. I'm turning out the fact that I Exceptions enjoy to the rule. chili to smell and to watch you guys enjoy it and eat it. Now, I must admit, I was at an event recently and was offered chili that actually looked good. You know why? Because it, to me, didn't even resemble chili, well, but it was, was still called it. I wanted to let you know that there was B-roll of chili being played as you spoke, and so the irony continues because it looked so appetizing. <laughs> no, 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 you're it told it looked appetizing, appetizing oh, by I'm people sure it did. spreading that, and, you know, uh, those opinions of it. while that was going on, you were, you know, just... I think the control Eating room's having a chili, chili party in there right now. Grant, <laughs> what do you think it. about this? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, because I have dealt my whole life with some sensory issues around food, mm. I I really need my food to be, like, consistent, mm. you know, relatively, if not separated, consistency is the the really the thing. I have to make... Runny chili doesn't do it for you. And runny chili doesn't do it for you. Oh, I did. It's bloated. <laughs> yeah. 
so, you know, I have to make, let's say my tomato sauce, my pasta sauce kind of exactly the same way and consistency every time. Generally eat ingredients relatively separate. Don't eat a lot of stews or anything like that. So because I've kind of gone through that, I would... I would never touch something like chili. It would be I feel like way too complicated. This is me. why he brought it up. He knew he'd be, I'd be outnumbered. And why? No, no, you're chili. not outnumbered because I would oh, yeah, try right. anyone's right. chili. Well, not the one with fish, even though I like fish. I don't know if I want that one. I don't know. About but I would like... try a spoonful and then I'd begin the rant. Oh, God. I'd be like, Again? is there a way I can have ground beef just plain? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, well, that's what I tell them about yeah, spaghetti no, you too, Grant. Go, go take thing. the pasta away. Just give me the sauce. Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's, I <laughs> think, meat. what both of you are asking for. Can I get all the elements separately, please? Yeah, why insult it and make it chilly? <laughs> I don't know, guys. We got to ask the, the rest seasonings are the good other too, side but of I, the spectrum. The seasoning's good, but I don't need those all one by one. I'll take them on stuff. It's okay. The next time you feel like ranting for chili, we'll just play this five-minute clip of you <laughs> ranting on Cup for Time. Oh, no, you won't. There'll be another one to replace <laughs> no, that, I'm sure. Never. Will be insulting I will be carefully vetting again. all our Cut for Time scenarios know, from now that, on. Yeah, but you'll bring that foolish food we'll up again. Mock all right. Take segments. 13 seconds and tell us uh, your feelings. About chili? Just go back yeah. to Tuesday's 15-minute uh, conversation oh, okay. with me and Julia where we say oh. chili's the best. It's absolutely awesome. Customize it to your own thing. And, uh, oh, good. So that means you're going to go, go chili, on about go. something else here. Okay, go chili on. For the we'll go on with your next topic. That's all. Uh, Grant, good for us, eh, Grant? <laughs> Ew, it's runny and all over. It's bloated. <laughs> Wetty, maybe, too. Less beans. <laughs> Less beans. No comment. All right, you're, 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 you're kind of You're kind of uh, making me... Uh, lose my Feel appetite sick? just i was just gonna say I, i'm really? sure you're not so. feeling so great yeah you wait till you're in toronto and she gets that's a bowl of it and sits next to you meal after this okay yeah that's not all right we gotta go just please don't think it's chilling <laughs> who's taking us out you me do you, a... do you mind would you, yeah would you mind <laughs> maybe you might want to talk about uh something else on tuesday show like oh, i thought I thought we ran out of time. Okay, here we go. So, <laughs> no, you just dreamed it. <laughs> no, I we ran out of time to talk chili. That's my bad. I That's right. But we, well, we did run out of time to talk rum. Your subject. Yes, yes. I thought we ran out of time for the whole thing. Okay, okay. Let me go back to Tuesday's show. A host sleeping here. Yeah, my bad. Tuesday's chili. show. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten to her head. We uh, <laughs> spoke to Marianne Kerr of the Children's Aid Foundation of in Peel, and we talked about helping families in need this holiday season. So here she is with more on that. Yeah. Well, I think that we've all been hearing the news, obviously, uh, about the fact that um, we're in some form of a recession. Uh, these are difficult economic times. Uh, mm -hmm. The number of people using food banks has increased tremendously. Right. Uh, and, you know, holidays, whether you were celebrating uh, Diwali uh, uh, 10 days or so ago, uh, or uh, you're, you're coming up for Hanukkah or Christmas or Kwanzaa, they're times of the year when typically we're expecting it to be joyful, right? We're, we're spending it with family. Uh, we have lights surrounding us, all of these kinds of positive things. But if you're struggling uh, with the day-to-day, -day, right, of, of trying to keep food on the table, a roof over your kids' heads, making sure you have warm winter clothing, um, the, the idea of gifts is sort of secondary you know it's 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 you're hopeful that you'll be able to do that but you're you're making pretty tough choices already with limited ability to to fulfill them 
there was a lot of things that came out of this conversation with Marianne, and um, one of the things that sticks with me is just how diverse the interpretation of holidays is for people, for you, for me, for different uh, groups of uh, people of different ethnicities, for different marginalized communities, uh, for any kind of circumstance that you're experiencing this year or traumas from previous years, right? People are not experiencing all of the holidays in one way. And sometimes I think we're led to believe that we all are because, you know, the Christmas is this. This is the picture of Christmas. And also, we escape to different things um, like the movies and the snacks and the festivities and the music that's playing everywhere and whatever. But, you know, I, I, I stop and think um, about people who are just having hard times during the holidays. And it doesn't even have to be in the scenarios we've painted from this conversation, like the... Um, poverty or the the hardship with the gifts, with meals, with all kinds of other things, uh, but also just loneliness and different living circumstances that people have, uh, maybe trauma from uh, tragedies that have happened around the holidays before. There's just a lot that we don't consider because the other side of it is just, you know, Christmas and holidays and everything else, the festivities blowing up all around us. Uh, but it takes effort and acknowledgement to understand that the, the paying it forward to some capacity during the holidays makes huge differences for people, for people's mental health, for people's um, emotional capacities, just like everything that somebody else might be experiencing that is less than ideal around this time of year, uh, that we can make some kind of a difference somewhere for somebody. Here, here, Fedora's off to you. Grant. Looking forward to seeing you on Monday, uh, and uh, have a safe trip into Toronto. It's going to be fabulous. See you soon. Beware of the chili. They offer it sometimes on the plane. Anyway, uh, Ramya Muthan and I will return to wrap up the show. This was Cut for Time. Check these segments out that we've referenced, ladies and gentlemen, and you can do that via the podcast. Subscribe now, please. Thanks. Talk to you in a moment. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. And folks, just stand by. We've got some information for you, including maybe a way to make some money on our closing moment. But it's a bit of a throwback to Mary's segment yesterday about holiday food and sitting there watching those uh, movies, those Christmas films and eating, but I've got a little something for you. I do want to remind you as Rummy and I return to the program here, we are not here Monday live. You can uh, check out a repeat of the program. We're of course on assignment working on the uh, special that we are doing for AMI-TV, which will air later on uh, this year or early in the new year. Um, no date given to us yet. Of course, we will talk about that on the show. Lots going on at the Great Hall Monday. Looking forward to seeing everybody who is able to come on out and and be a part of the uh, the uh, taping of that. The live to tape, as we say in the in the business. And of course, we'll have stories for you as I'll be in studio on Tuesday with Ramya before swinging my way back here to London. But let's talk a little bit about what's going on over the weekend, folks. 
Double tap, folks. Keep up with uh, accessible technology with the gang over there. Saturday on AMI-audio, join hosts Stephen Scott and Sean Priest as they discuss news, reviews, and technology stories uh, for those who are blind, ladies and gentlemen. Stuff that you will find interesting. Partially Sighted and other members of the disability community will also weigh in and enjoy the content. Listen to Double Tap Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio. Moving to AMI-TV, you can learn about the athletes, community groups, and grassroots innovators helping to drive positive social change through sport, and this is on Level Playing Field. This airs Sundays on AMI-TV. This week, we're meeting the players, coaches, and uh, everybody else responsible for the medal-winning Canadian women's volleyball team, sitting volleyball team, and Greg Westlake is the host of this show. He's Paralympian. Level Playing Field airs Sundays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-TV. Okay. So some of you out there are looking for jobs. Everybody hears me telling Rummy, especially about anything that has to do with chocolate, is if I'm trying to push her off the show. That is not wow, true. Again, more rude. of that chili-type propaganda that's out there, too. Uh, on our closing moment, I want to talk about, and I don't believe you have to be in the Philadelphia area for this. Here's how you can make $2,500 watching holiday movies. Uh huh. Philadelphia CBS is uh, looking for you to settle back with that blanket, your uh, hot chocolate, and the TV remote. The person will be asked to rank each movie on nostalgia, heartwarming, heartwarming storytelling, and holiday cheer. The chief of cheer will be paid $2,500 plus a year's, get this one, subscription to seven streaming services. The best part, there's no list to stick to. Cable TV.com oh. is accepting applications through its website until December 1st. You just have to watch 25 of those Hallmark pictures, but you can choose. Just can't watch them over and over again and say it's the, or the same <laughs> film and say, I watched 25 of them. I don't can think you I'm pretend. sure that's in the small print. Can you put on a movie that you've well, already watched before and can comment on like a, the back of your hand and then pretend like you're watching it? Because I think I'd get I get sick of this. I would think you could do that. I But I think it's that format that we talked about with Mary, the same one. You I know, know I what's going to happen. I would actually get sick. I would do uh, it for I. the e. year's the worth of subscriptions for the seven. I know I would do it for that, but it's, it's too much. I can't do it. Not even for the 2500 Wow. I want to, hmm. but I'm telling hmm. you. Think about it. December 1st, you got still a week, folks, uh, to apply to this. Folks, as mentioned, we are not here on Monday. On Tuesday's program, on our Ask a Vet segment, Danielle John-Kine talks about uh, antibiotic-resistant bacteria in our animals and how that affects the medicine treatments and so on. And exciting that we'll have Tuesday's um, book club with you. That's the last Tuesday of the month. And we're talking Women Talking by Miriam Tewis. Folks, we're waving at you. Take care. Have a good weekend. Fedora's off to you. Get out of here, will ya? Hosts, Kelly McDonald and Ramia Amadin. Reporter, Grant Hardy. Senior show producer, Jeff Ryman. Visual producer, Megan McGrath. Producer, Marianne Dion Jones. Graphics, Andrew Antonello. Production assistant, Kingsley Juco. Control room operators, Daniel Penamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Director, Irene Solomon. Manager of live production, Paula Deneen. Manager of operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of AMI Audio, Andy Frank. Director of TV production, Kara Nye. Vice President, Content Development and Production, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. 
Give us your feedback. 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023. Accessible Media Inc. So it's been a while since I've gone on about any form of sports. Really? Yeah, I mean, on here, on the, the, the audio vanity card. I find it fascinating how sports works around American holidays. Which leagues decide to take it off? And, and it's, again, who gets the showcase? Well, on American Thanksgiving, it's NFL. On Christmas, it's the NBA. And hockey kind of falls in there, <laughs> around it or where it can be placed. Now, recently, the NHL is getting an upswing in the United States. I know we get frustrated. Uh, why do we work at so much at markets that, you know, we have Canadian cities here that would gladly take a couple of uh, American teams that are doing poorly, but the NHL works hard at keeping them there no matter what tortures they go through. Anyway, you love it as a Canadian to see the sport spreading around. We don't want to lose our Canadian heritage with it. We don't want it to be flooded by everyone else. But on the other hand, you want good hockey. So, And the sport is open to everybody. And yeah, okay, maybe it's Canada's sport, but the world, parts of it, have really embraced it. And you get the same with soccer. I'm sure there's a lot of nations around the world that say, why are you people tainting our soccer? But we all know this is sport. This is the beauty of it. This is to be shared. This is for people, most of the world, to play it on a fun basis. Compete with each other, get exercise, it be healthy, and you'll learn how to compete, especially as a young person. And I know as a, as a young blind person, I was happy at W. Ross at the blind school to be on teams because I learned how to compete. I learned how to, well, that word, you know, the, the term that's out there, sportsmanship. <laughs> yes, to be a decent winner and a decent loser. You know, still want to get better if you were losing, or could do better, which you always can, but also be gracious when you're a winner. Be pleased and you know, look at everybody around you who helped and you know saluted those who may have been on the losing team but were worthy opponents, definitely, all the time. Those were the things I was taught, and I think that's what sports really does. And, of course, allows us on these American holidays and Canadian holidays to settle on back, enjoy our football, basketball, hockey, so on and so on. <gasps> And eat lots of food. You knew it was coming. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.